Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Nuck If You Buck. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads, as always. Today, I'm coming at you solo, but we have a few games and a trade to cover, including maybe the most exciting game of the year. Uh, in that contest against the Sixers, we definitely could have used uh, the assistance of our newest addition from the Houston Rockets, P.J. Tucker. But in this first one, we're going to get to um, that didn't necessarily require the talents of P.J. First game of the week was uh, a 133-122 victory against the Wizards. Bradley Beal returned to to this contest compared to um, our first close battle with the Wizards, um, but it was a far different outcome. The Bucks had uh, Drew, Dante, Chris, Giannis, and Brooke. Starting for the Bucks, in for the Wizards was Russell Westbrook, uh, Bradley Beal, Garrison Matthews, Rui Hachimura, and Alex Len. The first six Bucks points came from Brooke Lopez, and we also saw an uh, early emphatic lefty dunk from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, there was also a blow-by uh, from Rui Hachimura right past Chris Middleton that led to an early timeout from Mike Budenholzer. Um, after the first quarter mark, Brooke would have tallied eight points by then, and the Bucks would have a 32-23 lead. Uh, the Bucks opened the second quarter with Drew, Bryn, Dante, Giannis, and Portis to the Wizards. Russ, Raul Neto, Denny Avdia, Davis Pertans, and Robin Lopez. Uh, in quick succession, we would see a Bobby Portis three, then a Bobby Portis pump fake from the three-point line, spinning around uh, Robin Lopez for the driving finish. And then also a Giannis three. That would cap off a 8-0 run uh, from the Bucks. In the second quarter, 
We'd see a more aggressive Bucks defense that quarter. Um, swatting Alex Len, I think it was twice um, in a short amount of time there. And uh, we'd also see a bit of a battle between uh, uh, Chris and uh, Beal. Chris holding his own there and uh, quite a difficult matchup. Um, to close out the second quarter, we would see um, a flurry of threes, one from Russ, then from Rui Hachimura, then uh, from Chris to close the second quarter. At halftime, the Bucks would be up 69-55, to 55, uh, Chris with 16 points, three rebounds, and an assist. So quite a lot of scoring early in this one to be accepted against, to be expected, pardon me, against uh, the Wizards. And of course, the Bucks still having quite a potent offense themselves. Uh, we get to... Um, See another uh, Chris Alleyoop to Giannis from Out of Bounds, uh, seeming to be a uh, at least a weekly occurrence, or uh, or maybe potentially every game at this point. But however, however, however often we get to see this, I uh, will subscribe to it. And then in the third quarter, uh, Russell Westbrook also would unfortunately look like he had tweaked an ankle and leave uh, halfway through the third. However, he would return later in the fourth. Um, we'd see a couple more threes knocked down by Rui Hachimura and Bradley Beal. Um, that would lead to another bud timeout. Uh, more of Chris and Beal battling. Beal would score nine consecutive points for the Wizards in the third quarter, but Chris still holding his own um, until he would be subbed out. Uh, later in the third quarter, Wizards also unsuccessfully challenged challenged a Russell. Westbrook block on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, Wizards will close out the third on a 13-4 run, but um, Bucks would still have a 105-89 lead going into the fourth quarter, so Bucks must have built up quite a cushion for themselves. However, um, early in the fourth quarter, the Wizards would have themselves an 11-0 run, and Buck starters would come back in with about seven minutes remaining uh, to close it out. Um, Brooke Lopez would get a late block on the returning Russell Westbrook. Um, and then we'd see a bad turnover from Chris as well, uh, tossing it ahead to nobody. I remember being quite upset about that, watching it watching it on my couch in the middle of the week. But, but uh, luckily, the Bucks were able to take care of business here against uh, a bit of a lesser... Uh, opponent which we like to see compared to the first contest uh, against the Wizards without Bradley Beal Uh, although like I mentioned they're quite a good offensive team they're not as much known for their defense and uh, and uh, it's good to see the Bucks being able to keep up with them on offense Uh, a couple stats to show the show the big difference in this contest uh, was uh as far as the re- rebounds were concerned, the Bucks had 46 uh, to the Wizards' uh, 33 rebounds, nine offensive rebounds to their two rebounds. Bucks would also tally 70 points in the paint against the Wizards. Uh, although they have, they definitely have some size uh, at the forward spot with uh, Rui and uh, Denny Avdia. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. also getting showcased there as he's kind of on the trading block right now. Uh, they wouldn't really have much for rim protection. Um, of course, they have Alex Len and our own uh, Robin Lopez, but 
Um, not necessarily starting caliber centers on that on that roster. That's what allowed those 70 bucks points in the paint. Um, Giannis would finish with uh, 31 points, 15 rebounds, 10 assists, and three steals, a block, 12 of 19 shooting from the field, one of two from three, and six of six from the free throw line. Continued success from Giannis shooting uh, right right around 75% in uh, recent games. Bradley Beal, of course, would have 37 points, six rebounds, five assists, a steal, 13 of 19 from the field, four of seven from three, seven of seven from the free throw line. That was all in 41 minutes. Then uh, just before our second of the three games of the week, that is when the news broke of P.J. Tucker coming to the Bucks. I'm pulling up the trade details as we speak. Per ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, the Bucks received uh, P.J. Tucker, Rodion's Kuroks, and their own, uh, the Bucks uh, regaining their 2022 uh, first-round pick from the Rockets for DJ Augustine, uh, DJ Wilson, both DJs gone, uh, an unprotected 2023 first-round pick, and then um, they would also um, defer the 2021 second-round pick that we had given to the Rockets uh, to a 2021 first-round pick that was only top nine protected. So basically, we get our our um, our 2021 second rounder back, um, but then we give our late first to the Rockets. So that last detail there sounds like sounds like a bit of bad business, but in, in actuality, we're kind of just moving back a few more spots. The Bucks will likely uh, have a top, easily top 20, maybe even top 25 pick in this draft, and then the Rockets will have a very early second rounder um, in being... I think they were the second worst record in the entire league at the time of this trade. So they would be due then for the number 32 pick. So um, I would urge Bucks fans, if they're trying to feel a little better about the draft compensation going out in this uh, trade, to think of it more of as sliding from the, let's say, 25 spot to the 32 spot and instead of swapping a first uh, for a second. It's funny, actually, because... I've actually spent the past week uh, on vacation for my day job and with uh, my second sports business classroom virtual conference. And um, the whole theme of this experience compared to in the summer was we completed a mock trade deadline. We were assigned to uh, random teams. I was given the Celtics and we were uh, tasked with simulating our team's trade deadline and uh of course of course part of the negotiations is with your own team shout out to sam pearson if he's listening right now also a washington wizards fan whom i plan to uh get on the podcast someday um i think he and he and i were less excited about giving up a an unprotected first round pick than than one of our teammates was um but turns out the rest of the rest of our conference also gave up uh, unprotected picks pretty willy nilly. Um, I'd have to agree with the criticism from our conference presenters that uh, giving up unprotected picks is generally a pretty t- terrible order of business unless you're doing so 
and perhaps the Drew Holiday trade, which in essence is encouraging our own Giannis Antetokounmpo to re-sign, or of course getting back at James Harden, Anthony Davis, Paul George, etc. Um, so just in my own personal experience, not to go on too long on, on that, it's kind of funny to see us give up um, an unprotected uh, 2023 first in this deal for just a PJ Tucker who will be, um, I think he's on an expiring deal. Should have known that 100% before going into this, but still not the caliber of player that I had just mentioned uh, worth giving up an unprotected first for. Although our first round picks with Giannis Antetokounmpo locked up will look much different than those that teams are afraid they'll be giving away. Um, so I'll share a couple other reactions to to this. Um, you know, I'll just start with my own. That seems pretty fair. Um, you know, I'm normally pretty hesitant to instantly react to to a Bucks trade, especially because I know more news will trickle out, including something I knew I may forget, but we actually have moved on from Tory Craig for cash considerations, which has allowed us, um, according to Bobby Marks and Frank Madden, to move below the luxury tax threshold. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that's just another tidbit that, that I missed along the way that we moved on from Tory Craig. Um, but although, obviously, I'm a fan of Tory Craig, I don't think it's an enormous loss considering that um, we weren't giving him quite the best opportunity to contribute to this team. So if he's just if he's not going to be seeing any action, it's good for us to move below the luxury tax line and uh, push back our repeater uh, our repeater tax uh, another year. But overall, I think we definitely got the best player in this trade, which is which is a win in itself. Um. But my criticism would be that um, DJ Augustine, although he's been a bit disappointing this year, he was someone we could certainly rely upon to uh, run a pick and roll for us, especially when our offense looks stagnant. We saw that our team's record improved drastically. Um, rather, we just finally started winning games once we moved DJ Augustine into the starting lineup when Drew Holiday was in the health and safety protocol. And going into the season, it was really the offense, not the defense that that we were concerned with. So, so I don't think it's it's not necessarily nothing that we're giving up here for PJ Tucker. Um, besides besides any of the draft compensation, uh, so I hope this doesn't uh, rear its ugly head in the playoffs and and we look uh, stagnant stagnant on that side of the ball as much as we did in last year's playoffs. But at the same time, getting TJ, PJ Tucker back in this deal um, will help us defend teams that are maybe more concerned than they were last year in the Brooklyn Nets, obviously, getting James Harden. So overall, I like it for the Bucks, but I hope it doesn't hurt us later on. Moving on to share thoughts from... Uh, other analysts around the Milwaukee Bucks. I know Frank Madden wanted to wanted to point out kind of the biggest takeaways is that um, this is just another step in the Bucks leaning into being more versatile and switchable on the defensive end. Obviously, PJ Tucker um, short in height, but 
Uh, he's he's a good 240 pounds, so he's he's been not only playing the center for the small ball Rockets, and they had definitely some level of success when James Harden was still there, and um, he'll he'll be he'll be exceptional. Brooke Lopez insurance. In addition, he's uh, last season he knocked down the most corner threes out of anybody in the NBA by a pretty wide margin. The broadcast shared before that 76ers game, so. I talk a lot about how important Brooke Lopez is and that he's he's a 3 and D center, and that's something that's uh, quite rare. But <laughs> um, for us to get one of, one of the few similar molds molds of Brooke Lopez and, and P.J. Tucker, I think, is really exceptional for the Bucs. Um, in addition, the Heat also traded uh, Myers Leonard for um, Trevor Reza this same week. So that's another Eastern Conference final contender that – has gone and traded for a former teammate of James Harden, uh, potentially to uh, to fight in this arms race against the Brooklyn Nets, who are about the scariest opponent the Bucks could imagine. Um, lastly, before I wrap up this trade reaction, I just wanted to share some of the specific numbers from um, from these trades. Um, Bobby Mark shared that the Bucks now have created a $4.88 million trade exception. The Bucks are now uh, $1.2 million below the tax, which is, which as I mentioned, will push back our uh, our repeater tax um, issues to another year. Uh, I, I, I don't imagine we'll be able to avoid the luxury tax next year once Giannis has that super max, uh, but... You know, I thought I thought the tax has been unavoidable for the past year or two years for the Bucks, and still they somehow are are able to circumvent that. Um, part part of what created this space was uh, the hundred ten thousand dollars in cash considerations that we got from the Phoenix Suns. I don't know if that's that's the entirety of the uh, cash considerations. I think it has to be more, but uh, maybe that's in in addition to any other cash cash considerations. Uh, I'm not exactly sure on that last note, but I don't think uh, you you guys and the listeners really care too much for me to quibble about cash considerations. Um, lastly, again, uh, Lockdown Bucks' Frank Madden shared that uh, the Bucks creating a trade exception could be really helpful in this summer as they'll likely only have the taxpayer mid-level exception to work with. Um, but uh, there's not... There's still not a ton of room underneath the hard cap um, that uh, that we're a victim to until the end of the season um, to make any other trade within this next week. And I don't think Bucks fans will really expect that, as I didn't even expect this uh, if you'll listen to last week's episode when I was pandering on uh, D- DJ Wilson trade destinations, which I think I, I definitely mentioned the Rockets, so... Uh, you can hand me a crystal ball for that take. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll be discussing more of the PJ Tucker uh, effect here on the podcast and uh, also uh, the lack of a DJ Augustine effect if that uh, does impact the Milwaukee Bucks in a negative light now that we don't really have a, um, a true facilitator uh, coming off the bench for us. Uh, I'd like to take a break from this content here to sh- to share some thoughts from 
our longtime sponsor in Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about top-tier athletes in a respective sport. Um, you choose five out of ten player prop options to build your lineup. Uh, I could see myself taking advantage of this. As you all know, I'm obsessive about the NBA. Um, and I consider myself a casual in, in a few other er- areas like the NFL. I enjoy football and gathering with everybody. Um in Wisconsin here for Packers games uh, over the winter, but at the same time, I don't pretend to know much. I'm kind of that annoying guy always asking questions uh, during the game, but I think I know enough about the NFL to choose to be able to choose five out of 10 player props uh, and build a successful lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with an over-under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Uh, you want to rack up the most points to win a share of the player prize pool. Thrive Fantasy has awarded over $2.2 million in prizes since launching in 2018. They've guaranteed $50,000 in prizes for just one uh, late week in the NFL this season and thousands more since the the return of uh, the NBA. To take advantage of this, uh, you'll want to use promo code Giannis. That's G-I-A-N-N-I-S when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. You may download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store, or you may visit their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Now I'll get into what I thought might be the most exciting uh, game of the year for the Bucks. Some of the early stats may contradict that, but definitely had a thrilling uh, ending here um, as the Bucks took it home. Uh, 109 to 105. Look at that tiny scoring uh, output there, especially when considering that this was an overtime victory over the 76ers without Joel Embiid capped off with with a 7-0 Giannis run, disrespectfully sitting down on the Philly court with um, the few Philly fans there uh, or the piped-in crowd music, whatever it may be, or a combination of both, uh, not happy with Giannis taking a seat in the middle of the game. Uh, riskily still with over a minute remaining. Um, I, I guess I'll just go, go straight to the end here. After Giannis uh, had that 7-0 run and sat down on the court, Shake Mil- Milton would uh, drive hard, hard to the rack, um, not looking to be stopped um, for a layup. And then... Uh, ben Simmons would go behind the back a few times to get get around Drew Holiday in the open court for a wide open dunk. Um, so, so yeah, still a lot of time left on the board when Giannis uh, took a seat there, uh, not out of the game, but on the floor. Um, but kind of like that first a Wizards matchup that we had talked about on last week's episode. We'd see two consecutive field goals made from both Chris and Drew in overtime to put this one away. Even though we would see see a rare Ben Simmons three with just uh, maybe 10 seconds or less on the clock. Then we'd see two more free throws made from Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, Giannis's comments after the game about sitting down on the court was that he was just looking to have fun and especially since he wasn't necessarily at the beginning of this game 
looking back here, uh, after the first quarter, the the um, the Bucks would be down just eighteen to twenty five, and uh, some three point stats from from just the first quarter. The Bucks shot one of ten in the first quarter to the 76ers, three of six, and I think in the first half. Or at least at some point there, the Bucks started off one of seventeen from three, which would explain uh, why this was such a low-scoring game, especially to start out with. Um, in the early goings, we get to see the Bucks being really aggressive on on defense um, with act, with active hands, uh, making making ball handlers uncomfortable, jumping passing lanes as usual, getting out in transition. Uh, that first Giannis steal leading to a, a transition finish from Drew. Drew would also uh, force two Simmons misses early early in this game. Something that that doesn't surprise us with Drew Holiday, but um, every it's it's shocking <laughs> still to somewhat contradict myself there. Uh, every single time we we face an opponent with uh, a skilled front court, Drew Holiday still will guard, um, still will guard. Uh, the best offensive player uh, at times, especially early on. Early in this one, forcing the two misses from Ben Simmons. Um, and then that would also show up uh, with only four minutes remaining in the first quarter. Uh, nine of the nine of the Bucks points uh, came off of turnovers, whereas the Sixes had zero points off of turnovers. But, of course, like I had mentioned, the Bucks only had 18 after... after um, the first period moving on to the second quarter uh, with just seven minutes uh, left in the first half. Bud will call a timeout as the Bucks were down 20 to 35. Uh, must have lit somewhat, somewhat of a spark under them, or at least Drew Holiday with two finishes at the rim on his own uh, miniature 4-0 run. We'd also see uh, more defensive activity from Giannis and Pat just uh, completely absorbing a Matisse Tybel layup, um, and then uh, Dante would find a cutting uh, Drew Holiday for a dunk. However, that would be followed by a Seth Curry three to end that first half. Chris Middleton would make a tough uh, mid ranger, and um, at just halftime, um, or rather halftime, the Bucks would have just. Uh, 31 points to the 76ers, 45 low scoring margins for both teams to at least keep it relatively close. That's still the second lowest halftime points the Bucks have had in the past five seasons. This would include the Bucks having only 12 field goals made to 13 team turnovers. Drew Holiday with 12 points and Tobias Harris with 10. Um, let's see. I'm trying to recall a stat from broadcast early on in this one, I believe. So going into this game, the Joel Embiid had missed nearly 10 games. I think he had missed eight or nine games going into this one. In those first four games, the 76ers were uh, 0-4. And then in the following, I think it was five games, they were 4-1. and And of those last five games before this one... Um, I think Tobias Harris was averaging 28 points per game himself, and then Ben Simmons was scoring 23 points per game with, of course, his uh, healthy dose of uh, assists and rebounds that he brings to every contest. So just a little uh, 
just a little halftime uh, stat for you before we move on to the to the second half in which uh, Thanasis would actually get uh, teed up early in this one from the bench for uh, he must have been barking at the at the refs a bit because that came right after uh, Giannis was was fouled near the rim um, and uh, and given a no call on that one so technical given to Thanasis after. Uh, not receiving much, if any time. I don't necessarily remember in this contest. Um, then uh, halfway through the third quarter, Brook and uh, Dante would uh, would knock down a couple of couple of baskets that led to a Doc Rivers uh, timeout. Um, and then right here, like we always look for in these in these battles, when we're down um, by a material margin, Giannis returned with a heightened intensity which we like to see a little earlier than just the fourth quarter. Um, I remember it in last year's playoffs. I always thought that his, his heightened intensity might've came a little all too late, but um, I'm happy to see him stepping up a little earlier this season. Uh, Chris Middleton was fouled by Dwight Howard on a, on a jumper that would bring it, uh, bring the deficit down to nine points bucks with just 65 points to the Sixers 74 after three quarters. In the third quarter alone, with that uh, height intensity, Giannis would uh, have nine point six rebounds and on four or six shooting to uh, to respond after a slower start from him. And then um, the Bucks would actually take a lead from this one too uh, on on a thirteen zero Bucks run uh, for their first lead since I believe it was four to two. I remember the broadcast saying it was seventy-eight to seventy-six bucks after a Giannis and one and a Giannis dunk um, to build up that thirteen-zero run. Uh, Giannis would also uh, be matched up against Dwight Howard on a couple possessions, which was which is barbecue chicken for him, especially being able to to take Howard out up to the three-point line and Giannis easily. Uh, sprinting past him off the dribble. Howard was upset with Ben Simmons, the defensive player of the year candidate uh, for not helping more on that, on that Giannis drive. Um, but maybe the thought there was that, that he didn't want to, that you didn't want to uh, follow Giannis there. Although he's an, he's an improved uh, free, free throw shooter. I don't think teams are necessarily afraid to send him to the line. Uh, and uh, yeah, to stay within the theme of this contest, it was tied at just uh, just 80 points for the longest time uh, here here in the fourth quarter um, until we'd see a uh, Dwight Howard tip in, a Dante three, a driving hook from Ben Simmons, and then a deep three from Brooke Lopez. Uh, we'd see another deep, deep three uh, in some clutch moments later on from Brooke. Um, some... After some good ball movement, Drew Holiday would be found uh, in the middle for a layup. Uh, and then Dante, really huge in this contest. Before I forget to mention it, I believe he, he ended this one with with, with another uh, 20, um, 20 point outing. And of course, uh, really just just being a nuisance to, uh, to the 76's offense. Dante would have that inter- interception and then uh, Drew Holiday would would get himself a uh, corner three. Um, then uh, we're getting down right here to, to just the final minutes here. Tied. Um, or let's see. Regulation would finish tied at 93. 
but that would come from a 9-2-76's run in uh, just, a, just around the last minute. Chris Middleton would throw a really tough lob from the three-point line to Giannis Antetokounmpo, which, um, of course, we, we, we love to see in, not in clutch time, but because um, it, it is a high-risk play and it can definitely lead. Um, those those long rebounds can definitely lead to, to the opposition getting out in transition easily. easily. That 9-2 run came from a Shake Milton three, a Danny Green three. Uh, Chris Middleton strolling for, for a wide-open layup with just three seconds left. I remember Doris Burke was uh, really critical of this one, thinking that, that Chris should have just kept driving beyond the basket and take more time off the clock. Um, my first reaction was that it was just good to get more points on the board, get a little bit more of a cushion, especially because uh, Forkan Korkmaz would hit uh, – would hit a three here. I don't remember if it was a buzz. I don't think it was a buzzer beater, but it was with um, not much more than a second, if that remaining on the clock after um, Dante, as much as I had praised him a second ago for really keeping the bucks in this one, he and Dante with, with, with energy that they brought um, alongside our stars. Um, he, he, he really definitely should have just stayed home on Forkan Korkmaz, Kork- stayed glued to that three-point line as that's what the Sixers needed for um, needed to tie it and send it to overtime. But instead, he dove uh, past Forkan, trying to, uh, trying to gamble for that steal. And that's how Forkan got uh, a wide-open uh, three to send his team to overtime. Brooke would open, open up that... Um, that overtime period with with a deep three, as I had mentioned before, he hit it, he hit another deep three earlier, and I'm I'm always impressed and look to look to these moments when people uh, cast doubts on uh, Brooke Lopez. I don't see how you could on on defense. Um, of of course he has some limitations with his mobility, but makes up for it in other ways. But on offense, people seem to doubt him, and at the end of the day, he's still our fourth option, but. Uh, but I, I don't think his versatility should should be overlooked either on the offensive end because he's he's always willing he's always willing to to take the three which is something that you're hard pressed to ask your centers to do a lot you can knock him down at at a pretty reasonable clip and in these biggest moments um, but also what's more, most important there is he's able to hold hold it down um, in the paint paint on defense but back on the other end he can also put it on the floor himself of course being. Being uh, one of the biggest low post stars, um, you know, er- earlier earlier last last decade with the Brooklyn Nets, that's what he's, he was known for, um, and that would bring us all the way to to that seven zero Giannis run that I had mentioned before. So I don't want to get get too redundant here, but part of that seven zero run, I don't think I detailed uh, what those seven points were. Um, it would it would be a, a wide open Giannis three. Of course, he's going to be wide open from three, but he knocks it down in this one, um, as he's as he's been having more more success with his three as of late. Um, then he would he would take uh, Ben Simmons, defensive player of the year candidate, of course, off the dribble, uh, looking like he was he was about to lose his footing, but then just just uh, just tosses it um, into the basket from right un- underneath the cup, and then he would he would, uh, he would cap it off by a. Uh, by driving again through Dwight Howard um, with a with a last second behind the back step back uh, over Dwight, putting putting Dwight underneath the basket and uh, <laughs> near, nearly uh, 
nearly breaking Dwight's ankles him, uh, himself. Uh, so that that's where that seven zero uh, run from Giannis came from. What it looked like and what led to him <laughs> taking a seat on the Sixers court, uh, showing his ownership of it and uh, the fans. Uh, and the fans in Philly not being so happy about that, but but the rest is history, and that's how that's how um, our one hundred nine one hundred five bucks victory is somehow <laughs> being labeled by me as possibly the most exciting game of the year for the Bucks, and I think it's justified. And now, lastly, I'm going to get into the final contest of the week for the Bucks, and that was a. Uh, Last night, as of recording here on a Sunday afternoon, Saturday night, we faced uh, the San Antonio Spurs at Fiserv Forum. This was P.J. Tucker's first game in a Bucks uniform. I know many, uh, myself and my brother included, were shocked to see P.J. PJ out there so early after just being acquired at the beginning of that uh, previous Sixers game. Rodion Kuruks is uh, apparently in the uh, health and safety protocol. Um, but obviously he's he's certainly less important there. The Bucks would have their uh, usual suspects starting, and the Spurs would roll out uh, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, DeMar DeRozan, Keldon Johnson, and a Jakob Pertl. Um You'll notice that they're missing a DeJounte Murray and Patty Mills, so definitely, definitely missing some depth in the backcourt, but... Um, story of this one just for the Spurs was that Lonnie Walker really filled in uh, quite well for the San Antonio Spurs backcourt, uh, scoring 31 points by the end of this on five at nine shooting from three. Um, spoiler alert, we would end up taking this one home at 120 to 113 victory, but, but the Spurs would remain in it for uh, pretty much the entire game behind uh Lonnie's three-point shooting. Um, of course, yeah, Lonnie would finish this one with 31 points on six rebounds, but then Giannis Antetokounmpo in another MVP performance would have 26 points, eight rebounds, uh, tying a career-high 15 assists, nine of 18 shooting from the field, two of five from three, and six of seven uh, from the line. We're getting a lot more MVP talk for Giannis. Um I guess I'll I, I can I can get into this now to give us some give us a break from the play by play. You know, unfortunately, this past week, uh, LeBron James went down with uh, with a right ankle sprain, which clearly we don't want to see, especially for uh, the epitome of an Iron Man in, in the NBA and someone who's brought so much to the sport. Um, any of the repeat listeners will know I'm a huge uh, LeBron James. Uh, fans, so this praise will not come as a surprise. But at the same time, a severe, or well, we'll see how severe it is and how how long it keeps uh, LeBron out. But they also have Anthony Davis out, and the Lakers could take a slide here. Of course, Joel Embiid, an MVP candidate for much of this season, I believe, is now going on, if not already, at ten games lost with an injury himself. So those were two of the three top MVP candidates this season. Of course, that means at this point, I would say it's Nikola, Nikola Jokic's MVP trophy to lose as long as he sustains um, his health. 
The question as far as his MVP candidacy doesn't necessarily concern his performance at all. He's clearly one of, if not the most effective offensive player in the in the league this year. However, his team, I think, has been kind of right around uh, middle of the pack in the Western Conference standings. Um, yep, there it is, still a, a fifth seed uh, tied, having the record tied with the Trailblazers in the sixth seed right now in the Western Conference. Um, and... You know, there are plenty of components that uh, that MVP voter, MVP voters uh, take into account when making their selections. Uh, one of which, of course, there's just the natural voter fatigue that um, obviously can't be quantified in any which way, but it's it's completely clear in that. <laughs> so far, is is the biggest case against Giannis, but um, having choosing a fifth seed. Um, the star of a fifth seed to win MVP. Really, I can only think of that happening with, um, this is just off the top of my head, with, with Russell Westbrook um, within the past five years. But let's not forget how, how historic his season was there and in, in which we were all still married to the novelty of him averaging a triple-double for the first time since Oscar Robertson. Um, of course, players have come, come near that for for multiple seasons like a LeBron James consistently at his uh, 27, 7, and 7 career averages roughly. And then uh, James Harden also around that same time averaging nearly 30 points per game on with like what, like around 12 rebounds, 8 or 9 assists. So any of those guys could have done it if that's what they were gearing toward. And I think a lot of people would think that that was kind of a lot of a lot of Russell getting to those averages was him with all due respect to Russell Westbrook, <laughs> despite what I'm about to say, a bit, of, a bit of stat hunting there to get that. But that was that was a historic milestone at the at the time in another competitive MVP contest, um, um, and and it, and it took really that unforeseen seen circumstance for Russ to take it home with a fifth seed. So, um, you know, I think. I, I mean, I still think that it that it's Jokic's to lose at this point, considering the amount of time that LeBron and Embiid will have lost. Jokic being an MVP candidate uh, since the jump and being a clear, um, possibly the offensive player of the year if that were if that ever became a thing in the NBA. But um, but if voter if voters want to try and fight against the the common criticism of voter fatigue and vote for Giannis. He's clearly putting up MVP numbers close to, if not better than, than some of his prior MVP years on a team. That's only a game and a half back of the, of the one seed, only a half game back of the two seed, um, two seed of Brooklyn Nets. Um, and then as a reminder, as I'm going to keep tracking this, uh, there's a bigger gap between us and the fourth seeded uh, Miami heat. than. Uh, the Miami Heat at the fourth seed, and um, and let's see, and well, clearly the eleventh seeded uh, Toronto Raptors. So we're going to keep monitoring that huge cluster in the Eastern Conference there. But the Bucks can can continue to separate themselves from the pack uh, in joining the Nets and the Sixers and uh, Eastern Eastern Conference final contenders. And um, if they maintain that, the Nuggets. Um, don't make any jump at all in the Western Conference, which 
by the way, will be more likely with Le- with LeBron James out. Um, you know, I think there's a chance for Giannis to to really make a push for for another MVP, but I'm not going to put my money on it. Whew. All right, well, where were we in this one? I, I got to admit, some of that MVP talk really really got away from me there. But um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll get back to the Spurs game here. Um, I had already announced the starters, but actually getting into some of the play-by-play content here. Um, early on in this one from our MVP, we would see Giannis um, with all of um, a flashy wraparound Magic Johnson pass to Brooke Lopez, knocking down one of his two threes early on. But then I also do recall, unfortunately, a Miss Bunny that he had in which I think some of, some of the Spurs small ball here kind of... Um, took Giannis a bit of getting getting used to here because I think he clearly missed this bunny just because he was surprised to um it was almost if as if he was surprised that he didn't have to go over uh some of some of the towers that he usually does have to and he just completely overshot a layup um nevertheless we would see uh, this included but uh we'd see Bud frustrated with uh frustrated yelling at uh all of Chris Giannis and Brooke and then uh and then uh, Giannis and Brooke would then be replaced by uh, Bobby Portis and P.J. Tucker. That's right. We'd see our first P.J. Tucker action here uh, in the first and later in the first quarter, as uh, the first period would end with the Bucks down twenty six to thirty three to the Spurs. Uh, DeRozan with eight points, Dante with six, again uh, showing up for us here as of late. Um, Bucks would open up the second quarter. Against the Spurs with Drew, Bryn, Pat, Giannis, and Bobby. Uh, against the Spurs' uh, Tyus Jones, Derek White, Devin Vassell, Rudy Gay, and uh, uh, Drew Eubanks. Oh, cool. Devin and Drew out there. What do you know? <laughs> Anyways, um, the um, going into that second quarter, the, the Spurs would... would um, be continuing a 12 to two run. Uh, but then the Bucks would respond, uh, respond on defense, keeping those active hands and disrupting passing lanes um, to help, to help a 15 to 0 run by the Bucks, um, which also included the Bucks running, running a bit of a, running a bit of a two, three zone kind of, kind of showing, um, showing, I guess an early, already an early example of the PJ Tucker effect that I had alluded to earlier with, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember, uh, a specific in- instance where, where the bucks ran, ran a zone. Um, but then we'd also see bucks switching everything except Brooke Lopez, uh, all in quick succession in the second quarter. It was, is quite something, quite something to see. And, uh, and uh, definitely something that I and I would urge the fans to monitor in the next few games uh, and maybe make that defensive side of the basketball uh, a little more fun for the viewers, especially if uh, if uh, if the if the Bucks continue to to show defensive st- displays like this, uh, keeping their hands up and uh, you know making it more and more difficult in the, on the opposition. Um, Drew Holiday would hit a three to end the first half. Uh, the Bucks would, would uh, take the lead, fifty-seven to fifty. After that, fifteen zero run, really solidified by the Bucks defense uh, at halftime. Uh, Drew Holiday would have fourteen points to Demar Derozan's uh, um, 
10 points and six assists. Uh, Pat was asked at halftime, kind of, you know, what what about the Bucks' uh, defense there really made a difference to get them back into this game and without mentioning that zone or switching. Uh, Pat said that said that they brought more physicality. He said that um, he said he said that there were times, you know, even in this game early on, where where they were in the right spots and and doing the right things, following the game plan. But uh, but sometimes sometimes you just need to make the team uh, feel you more instead of going through the through the motions on that end. And and I think that really helped out the Bucks here. Clearly, they gave us enough reason to believe Pat. Um, However, in the second half on the offensive side of the ball, we'd see uh, Dante uh, continuing to do a good job cutting in, being able to be found by Chris and others in the dunker spot. Um, Chris would unfortunately be stuffed by Jakob Pertl, uh going for a rare dunk. And then in that third quarter, we would also see, uh, this is when later on in the second half, when Lonnie Walker would really, uh, would really light it up, turning into a, a flamethrower flame from that... Uh, the left side of the three-point arc, um, we'd see the uh, first of, of a couple, uh, at least two or three bud, bud timeouts to try and uh, just to slow down Walker and freeze him a bit. But, you know, getting a little startled myself with the Spurs uh, crawling back here and keeping it close. The the clock ticking down on this one, uh, I was getting a little concerned and then I realized, oh yeah, Giannis has been out for for a considerable amount of time in this third quarter, and he came back and and really put his MVP stamp out there, getting an offensive rebound and an and one right away, and then also continued to find Pat Connaughton and Brent Forbes for open threes. Um, DeRozan and Holiday would trade a couple tough two point um, two point jumpers uh, late in the third, and then Drew would also be fouled fouled at the third quarter buzzer beater from three, knocking down two of those three attempts. As the Bucks would uh, keep an 88 to 84 uh, lead after after three quarters, Drew Holiday with 19 points, three rebounds, three assists. Uh, Lonnie Walker um, had uh, gotten to 21 points and six rebounds going into the fourth. The Bucks would roll out uh, Drew, Bryn, Chris, uh, PJ, and Brooke uh, against the Spurs: uh, White, Fassell, Johnson, Gay, and Eubanks. Chris would hit a hit a deep three over White uh, after a pop timeout, and then hit um, one or two more threes. I believe one from the corner and one one uh, and one from uh, the Bucks left side of the three point arc, arc where I mentioned Lonnie Walker was really uh, heating up, knocking down a couple more threes in the fourth quarter. Um, Bud calling at, at least another timeout in response to a big uh, Walker three to try and ice him there. Um, but the real play of the night was when Giannis again shocked by um, the the um, you know the inconsistent size out there from the Spurs. Obviously, Lamarcus Aldridge, Aldridge isn't out there to provide the much needed size uh, against the Bucks, and Giannis kind of taking a few looks around near the basket, realizing like, oh yeah, I'm really surrounded here by by Derek White and, and a couple other wings and he just he just slammed it down hanging down on the rim hanging down on the rim near, nearly nearly touching the floor while holding onto the rim like like uh like the Greek freak that he is Derek White w- would respond late with uh with a sense of urgency or n- nearly picking Drew's pocket um 
you know, Derek White, a, a real uh, formidable defender for a guard, um, often overshadowed by his by his uh, backcourt counterpart in uh, DeJounte Murray on that end, but he's certainly no slouch on that end. Bothering Drew, but, but not not enough to really make a difference here for the Bucks. As I had mentioned, taking it home, 120 to 113 against the Spurs, we'd see another late uh, Giannis three, um, his second of five attempts in this one. Uh, and then that followed by a, a fadeaway uh, two-pointer. And as I had mentioned, a career-high 15 assists for Giannis. Giannis really in his bag at at the nick of time in the absence of LeBron and, of course, Embiid really sparking this this new MVP dis- discussion. I'll repeat, I'm not going to put my money on it, and I don't encourage any of my listeners to do so, but but this one really, I think this is the first time I can say that Giannis was, what, can I say that, that Giannis was, was a three-level scorer in this one? And, and, you know, that kind of points to the discussion in past where, uh, many analysts would say that the league is bucked, no pun intended, uh, if Giannis is able to really put together a full offensive package. Of course, this is just one game, and I'm not going to overreact and say that uh, Giannis is now uh, Larry Bird on offense and Kim Lajuan on the other end. But um, yeah, him, him putting up performances like this um, in a time when his case can be... Um, uh, most effective as far as his narrative is concerned uh, will really help if he really if he really thinks he can be that first three-peat MVP since Larry Bird in the 80s. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have for the listeners today of Nook If You Buck. Um, as always, I encourage you all, uh, if you have any uh, any questions or feedback on the show to reach out to me at Nuck if you buck NBA, U is just the letter U. Everything else is spelt how it sounds. That's on both um, Instagram and Twitter. Um, I think we have we have quite a few games. I think by the time I record again uh, a week from today, there might even be um, four Bucks contests, if I remember correctly. So I'll come at you again with um, with a lot more gameplay, uh, but hopefully. Um, I doubt there will be another trade <laughs> trade by next week as Locked On Bucks Frank Madden said with our little more comfortable but still limited space between us and the apron. And, you know, I talked about a potential small DJ Wilson trade earlier, st- thinking that it would, would be unlikely. And we, we got an even bigger um, package back than I could have ever expected. So I don't, I don't expect anything else to happen uh, by... Uh, Thursday's March 25th trade deadline, but uh, if there is, I'll surely share my thoughts on that and and anything else developing from the aftermath of these trades next week. Until then, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.